Welcome back to Cue the Apology, a parent's guide to faith at home. I'm Gavin. And I'm Nate. And you might make mistakes as a parent, but you are the expert on your kids. We're not really experts on anything, but we've definitely read some books. And we might not actually know your kids, so... That is a very valid point. <laughs> so we're not going to tell you exactly what to do, but we've got some ideas that we want to share with you. Yeah. And Nate read this book, so I'm going to leave it to you to lead this discussion. All right. Yeah. So this book was called A Neglected Grace, and I don't overly recommend it for everyone to read. It had some stuff that I really didn't agree with, but what it did have is this really great help section at the end, and it, they called it this weird helps for the journey. Tell us what that means. I don't know. We tried to look up Lord of the Rings quotes to make it sound fancier because we're like, helps for the journey. And that just wasn't going anywhere. So we call this introducing the adventure because that's really what this is about. We Mm -hmm. want to take about 20 minutes. I don't know how long. We'll see if we get cut off. But the idea is to talk about some specifics of how do we apply practices of family worship, but also a couple of what ifs, like, not every family's the same. Yeah. So what if this? What if that? Like you're, we're all unique. So here's here's where we're going to start. Because you and I are rambling off. We've had a couple of coffees. We're getting a little little we're buzzed. Yeah. But the idea is that you start slow. Exact opposite of how fast <laughs> we're talking right now. But you got to start slow when, when we're starting this. It, like anything good takes time to grow. Hmm. Good things grow and good things take time to grow. They don't just appear overnight. And so if you come into the expectation that your family is going to just dive into family worship, it is going to be part of your identity. Boom, we did it once. Here we are. Not likely going to work. Yeah, that's like saying you're going to step into a classroom and all of a sudden want to just spend every moment in that classroom. Like you're going to probably, it's going to be a process to get used to taking notes and get used to I stepped into the math classroom and wanted to step out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that is probably going to be the reality at some times in in this. (laughs) So, I mean, the book says this. As everyone in the family grows in worshiping together, there will be the ability and desire to make it fuller. Let me say that again. As everyone in the family grows in worshiping together, there will be the ability and desire to make it fuller. I mean, you're going to add pieces on that are going to be unique to your family. And that is a beautiful, wonderful thing. Don't shy away from that. Don't shy away from personalizing family worship. And just because you heard someone else do it one way, you're not going to do it the same way. And that is good. Yeah. That's the awesome thing about Jesus and the apostles is like they contextualized the truth that Jesus had proclaimed. So it was like the Gentiles didn't necessarily do the same things as the Jewish people, like when they became Christians. Right. So it's like knowing your family, knowing how you guys worship and how you relate to God. That's huge. 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 So, I mean, if you want to do some family worship and car trips, man, go for it. Sing along. I mean, I grew up singing. Well, we traded off who got control of the stereo on car trips. So I have listened to a lot of Backstreet Boys and Sync. Oh, no. Yeah. My sister was into it and it was I'm like, no. And she's like, yes. And then I have two sisters. So it gets my other sister and she's like, I want that one because she looks up to her older sister. It was bad. Anyways, moving on. So start slow. Like just build it up over time and maybe keep a journal of it. Like not saying you take notes or or minutes of of how your family worship went, 
to detail it specifically, but just kind of look back at some of the things you've did. And then when you come back in a week, a month, a year, you can look back and say, Hey, this is where we've grown and developed. And this is where my family, our family finds communion with God. That's an awesome habit to get into because there's honestly times like today where I'll look back in my journal from my devotional time with God, like five years ago. And it will be such a refreshment just to see where I was and you where I am such now. better disciplines than I do. <laughs> so the second idea that we want to talk to you as, as you kind of like get going on this, as you introduce the adventure to your family is look at the time frame. Now they use hmm. the word brevity and this book uses a lot of old ling- old <laughs> English like Gavin does when he says unto God, but Look at like family worship should not be a burden. And a lot of the times things become burdens because of its length. Hmm. I don't want to do dishes because it takes me forever. I don't want to vacuum the house because it takes me forever. Like all the things that we don't want to do, they can generally be time based, but the short, quick things we're like, yeah, okay, I'll get it done. I'll Mm -hmm. I'll get over with. It's going to be okay. So remember what Jesus said about the scribes and their long prayers. We see this in Mark chapter 12, verse 40, and Luke chapter 20, verse 47. They were a pretense for the show. They're just like, look at me. Look what I can do. Longer doesn't always mean better. That's really good. There's so many times where I'm speaking and I can see people in front of me, their eyes glazing over because I've been going for 40 minutes. And so that is something that I am presently know learning. Know your audience. <laughs> yeah, that is huge. That and goes children, for and parenting. Yeah. <laughs> children, even teens, like their attention span, you've got like seven, maybe 10 minutes to oh, yeah. oh, really yeah. get the message across to them. So because you're knowing your audience as a preacher or as a parent, you got to make it a priority. And that, that's the family worship. Make mm-hmm. it a priority because a family which is seldom home together cannot worship together. That's critical and such a challenge in our modern world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're always distracted by sports and activities and things like that, which aren't bad things. No. But making the priority of some time. And. Is- Even it doesn't have to be the activities that pull you out of the house. Our culture has really set us up that we Mm. find our corner and this is my space and where I disappear to. Yeah, the culture of individuality. Yeah, it is not uncommon for a family to send out a mass text of its dinner time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's crazy to think about. Like our grandparents would never have done something like that. They just ring the little bell and then everyone comes in for dinner. My grandparents were not that (laughs) famous. But now you have your kids like playing video games with the big headphones on. They don't hear a thing you're saying. Oh, yeah. They have no idea. I mean, my dad used to just whistle for us to come down the street. Like (laughs) we were dogs, but we knew it. It worked. Whistle so high pitched and we're just like perked up. Okay, got to go home. So anyways, yeah, uh, so what we've got so far, start it slow, uh, let family worship grow. This Mm -hmm. is your kind of introduction to the adventure to family worship. Start it slow, uh, keep it short, get to know your audience, uh, then make it a priority. It means being together. Uh, I mean, you, you could also read the Bible on your way to gymnastics, but that's kind of like an afterthought. It has to be a set apart. This is what we're doing. Not just, hey, we're in the car. Let's throw some scripture on the radio. That's a really good point because otherwise that afterthought mentality like catches up with the kids and they're like, maybe they'll be doing devos in their regular life, but it'll be like an afterthought. It'll be like, oh, like 
I have to do this. So I'll just quickly yeah. do this and then go to the next thing. But when yeah. you make it the priority and the focus of that time, that changes. Yeah. The whole now, outlook. with all of that said, be flexible. Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> be, be flexible because family worship is not meant to be a burden. We, are, we already kind of talked about mm-hmm. that. Like, if kids aren't going to be able to sit through the night, then do it tomorrow night. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, it, it's okay to bump it. What's not okay is to forget about it or, or to let it go by the wayside and you're just like, oh, that was a fun practice we tried to do. It's not who we are. But be flexible in it. Like, tonight we're going short. Tomorrow night we went long because people were really into it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? Somebody's sick with the flu. It's probably not a good idea to force them to be there with a bucket. <laughs> Now's the time to sing. No. <laughs> oh, God. No, and that's huge. And knowing your family too, like you know them better than we do. So you know when to be flexible, when to make that decision to maybe push it back, but like just don't give up on it in the flexibility. Absolutely. So model the right attitude is the next thing we want to put for your introduction to this adventure of family worship. (laughs) But model the right attitude because here's the deal. Kids know when you're faking it. Oh yeah. And you know when your kids are faking it. Oh yeah. So just calling the family together and be like, we're doing this and we're going to sit down and we're going to pray. We're going to read. We're going to sing. It it doesn't work. Yeah. Opening the Bible and then giving out a big sigh isn't going to help the (laughs) development. Worship is not meant to be a burden. Worship is meant to cause joy, to be an expectation and an expression of joy. So model that. And so if you're having a bad night, be honest. Mm -hmm. Be like, hey. Daddy's not really into it tonight. Yeah. And that's okay, but we're still going to do it because that modeling that right attitude leads into the next point of perseverance. Hmm. Because if we're going to model and if we're going to live a, a life of worship and, and family worship, it's going to take perseverance. There are going to be seasons where Absolutely. it just feels dry and routine and it's looking for ways to keep it engaging, exciting, and persevering through, knowing that your devotion, your discipline is strengthening you, it's growing you, and who knows what's going to happen 20 years down the road that your kids wouldn't mm-hmm. look back and be like, hey, this is who I saw my parents as being. Mm-hmm. I saw them as ones who persevered in faith, who saw it as a priority to make sure I knew about their faith and, and, and to read and, and taught me how to pray. And I, I don't have a fear of this or an avoidance or an anxiety of this mm-hmm. because it was modeled so well for me. Yeah. And I think that's something we bring up quite a bit. That's really crucial to the discipleship of your kids is that honesty, that confessing when you're not feeling it or that confessing when there's hard times, but still in the midst of that going to God and centering it on God. Like that's going to make a huge difference because then they can see the realities of life. And too often we give up too soon. So perseverance is hard in our culture. Like we switch jobs so often we switch other things so often. Like it's, it's ingrained in us. Absolutely. Everything just kind of changes up and it's fluid. Like think about your cell phone plan. Have you stayed with the same carrier the whole time? Have you stayed with the same phone the whole time? Like we're constantly changing it up, but to just persevere and say, this is important. This Mm -hmm. is a value Mm -hmm. of our family. Yeah. And recognizing that that might be a challenge, but it's the decision every day to make that choice. That's something I've been learning a lot recently is how 
how sometimes we wait on this mystical experience where we're just all of a sudden going to want to always do this. Oh, yeah. But like every time God gives you strength in the moment to choose to persevere. Absolutely. Like when I hear people talk of heaven, especially as a kid and the thought of standing and singing songs to God and saying hallelujah the whole time, I'm like, is this really where I want to go? Like that has <laughs> that, that idea of always being that full moment of worship isn't desirable to me in this stage of life mm-hmm. and this understanding of the heavenlies and all of that. And so it's going to be okay when you're like, I don't feel like worshiping today, but it's the choice and the act that builds that spiritual muscle and that discipline. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about some what ifs. What if, what if, what if I feel inadequate? It's too bad. <laughs> in some ways you're right. It, it, it is too bad because the reality is you, everyone feels inadequate in this or, or they should. Yeah. Like when I get up on a Sunday to preach, I feel inadequate every time. If you don't, that's a problem because it's, yeah, we are technically inadequate. <laughs> but the reality is you're more equipped for your family than you realize. Mm. That's good. And if you feel inadequate, what you falter at, you can learn from. And also your family doing this together. So you don't have to take the burden on yourself every time. Mm-hmm. If you you set up the model, the plan, you can pass it on to your spouse. Mm-hmm. You can pass it on to older kids and even let little kids lead part of it because it's meant to be a cooperative thing. This is not one pairing, parent saying, sit down, we're mm-hmm. doing this. It's a family joining in together. Yeah. Take in that Jesus sent the apostles or at the time the disciples to minister to people when they barely knew anything like this is before peter denied jesus he oh, yeah. had already let him go and preach the gospel to people it's like he wasn't qualified but god commissioned him with that and trusted him with that absolutely so we learn from our mistakes we learn from our weaknesses and that's how anything works like even in a job if you start a new job you don't immediately feel like i know exactly what i'm doing i'm qualified i am gonna rock this but you learn over time And if we look at kind of like the first families of faith, like Adam and Eve, there was no book to teach them how to do it. They messed up. They really messed up. (laughs) (laughs) But they kept going. Mm -hmm. And then Abraham and Sarah, like they, they messed up. They kept going and they kept teaching their kids. And now we have generations afterwards. Mm -hmm. There's a, if you read through scripture, you constantly see, constantly see families messing up in teaching their kids about faith and how to worship, but you also see a rebound. Yeah. You always see the rebound of coming back to God, uh, a return. And, and so that's where you need to start, finish, restart, keep going is, yeah. Hey, it didn't work. We, we come back to it. Yeah. And you'll never get away from that. Like you're always going to make mistakes. We're not perfect in this life, but God is perfecting us over time. Absolutely. So yeah. I always think of King David in the Old Testament, how he really messed up. Like he... More than once. Yes, he messed up a lot. Yet God says that like he's one of like his most loved people and someone who really cared about God. It's like he messed up, but then he came back. Yeah. And that's what's important. Time and time again. Yeah. So when you mess up in family worship, don't let that overwhelm you. Yeah. Come back. So so here's some practicals in that. If you don't know how to pray or what to pray in front of your family fantastic 
why don't you just kind of turn to Matthew chapter six and read the Lord's <laughs> prayer? Boom. There's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's prayer over and over again. That is our family prayer. Beautiful. Or write one out together. Hmm. Create your own family prayer that you pray each week. I think that'd be something beautiful. You can like go to Vistaprint and like make it all fancy, hang it somewhere. Get a banner in your living room. Yeah. That says fancy. Uh, and I mean, here's something that Douglas Kelly says, and it, it's insightful, a little weird language, but it's good. It says, remember this significant fact, a few direct, simple and heartfelt words from one's own parent make far more of an impression on any child than the most eloquent flow of a fine instruction from an outsider. So basically, simple words are easier than long words like he used. And kids listen to their parents. What? (laughs) As much as it doesn't always seem evident, they are always watching, they're always listening, they're always learning. So no matter what, you're going to be able to teach your kid better than we can. Yeah. All right, here's another what if. What if I have an unbelieving spouse? That's a problem. Yeah. That can be a huge hindrance to family worship. Raising a kid for Christ? Yeah. Any thoughts on what you do, Gavin? That's a great question. I don't fully know what you do. (laughs) You do it anyways. What? Yeah, so here's here's what yeah. the author posited, and I, I think this is pretty great and true. Like family worship, uh, let's put this caveat in here too, is also great and wonderful for couples mm-hmm. without kids. Mm-hmm. You're still a family. Mm-hmm. You and the dog and a spouse make a family. <laughs> but start family worship with yourself and invite your spouse in. Or so start family worship with your kids and invite your spouse in. Yeah. Let it always be an open invitation, not a burden, not a beating over the head or like, why aren't you here? But let them see your devotion and your discipline. Let yeah. them see that you are praying for them and let God work. Yeah. The most loving thing you can do is not just be passive and let them continue or let them lead the family away from God. But mm-hmm. the most loving thing you can do is continue to lead the family to God and invite them in. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's a reality that there are families out there where one believes and the other doesn't. Mm-hmm. And God talks about it in the Bible. And it's like, pray for your unbelieving spouse. Yeah. Care for your unbelieving spouse. Love them. There is no commandment to leave an unbelieving spouse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says actually to, by your love for Christ, win them to Christ, basically. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean it's an overnight thing, but like be persistent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's flip to the other side of that. Maybe we have a Christian spouse, but they are not on board with this idea of family worship. Mm, That makes it a bit harder. Yeah. Because they should be. (laughs) Should be, but they might not find a a need for it. They're like, well, we send our kids to Sunday school and we send them to Christian camp and we uh, take them to youth ministries and we go to church on Sundays and then we listen to Veggie Tales in the car. Like, why do we need this family (laughs) worship? Mm -hmm. And honestly, the the answer is the same. Yeah. It's do it and invite them in. And if they don't feel that there's a need for it, that's fine. But 
you should be setting the example because mm-hmm. you're raising up your kids this way. Yeah. You, you're giving them the opportunity to learn to pray, to learn to read, to learn to sing, to engage with the things of faith. Yeah. And that's really important because what you don't do teaches your kids as much as the things that you oh, do do. That's Say that again. Say the it thing, again. <laughs> the things that you don't do teach your kids as much as the things that you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Gavin, what if I have children of different ages? Then it's going to be tricky, but I think you're going to have to still just have time of family worship. Be intentional, but also take time to have individual conversations as well. Individual conversations, but also get the kids to help each other. Mm, That's really good. You've got older ones. Great. Help them to have them help the younger ones find a page in, in the Bible. Yeah. Help have them pray. Like, let them be an example to the little ones as much as you're an example to them. That's where the most growth happens, honestly. Like, when you give a child an opportunity to lead, they take that initiative and they actually begin to change themselves. Like, I've seen that over and over again. When youth lead, it impacts them. It impacts their faith and their desire for God. Yeah, it's good. All right, let's do a couple more. Um, what if uh, my kids won't sit still? Then you tie them up. <laughs> <laughs> and force them to sit there. No. Yeah, no, that, this goes back to the be flexible. Yeah, definitely. This, again, you're starting this. It, it's the beginning, the introduction to the adventure. Mm-hmm. It takes time and it needs to be age appropriate. So if all you can do is two minutes, that's what you do. Or you do some actions with a song. Yeah. Or a prayer. Yeah. Like find ways to engage and make it age appropriate. Yeah. You know your kids better than anybody else. So you know what they're going to be able to sit through and what they're not. And mm-hmm. it's not that hard to make things enjoyable. Like kids love music and dancing. So maybe if they can't sit still, incorporate that into the Bible story. It's good. It's great. All right. And the last one we're going to hit on is this lack of response. Hmm. You'll face that one a lot. (laughs) At least I do. (laughs) Not to my kids, but (laughs) here's what I want to say with this. Don't stop. Mm -hmm. Just don't stop. Mm -hmm. You don't know what the seeds are that are being planted. You don't know what the word the Lord is working on under the surface. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reality is the world measures success by what we see. Mm hmm. But as Christians, we know that our eyes can often deceive us. Fight the discouragement. Keep going. Because the reality is we will spend years and countless hours of frustration working on a golf swing, learning to cook. I don't know. It is like a slap shot. Like we spend hours training ourselves to do things. And so often when it comes to things of faith, we're like, eh, it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing any results. Yeah. That's really important because you just, yeah, you can't give up, can't give up. And we're constantly called by God to just plant seeds. Like we, by that, I mean, like say a little bit of truth to them and trust that God is going to do something with that. And it doesn't mean it's going to be overnight. Oftentimes that process is over years and years and years, but just be faithful to continue doing that and trusting God with the results. 
Yeah. And that's essentially what family worship is. Like we've said Mm -hmm. from the beginning, family worship is spending time with God. Yeah. And so if your intention, if your purpose, if your expectation is to see some sort of intense family growth, spiritual giant development, (laughs) you're going to be let down. Mm -hmm. You're going to be disappointed because the purpose is that your family is spending time with God. Yeah. That your family is spending time together. Your family is learning together and and you've set an apart a time for God. Yeah. And here's the thing. Surrendering our expectations to God is more important than seeing the results we desire Mm. because God does something deeper and more real. And so without that, without that struggle and that trial and that frustration sometimes of not seeing results, we don't grow. It's good. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. And hopefully this gave you some insight, give you a little introduction to the adventure of family worship. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out, guys. See you next time.